airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And you know, uh, today I want to talk a little bit about, in the first segment at least, because we have Stephen Black coming on uh, in mm-hmm. the second segment and hopefully throughout the show. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about prayer. Uh, that was something that has been, you know, on my heart for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and God just uh, began to stir me up more and more um, recently uh, concerning prayer. You know, and that's one of those things where, Mickey, like we we in, in our head knowledge, we understand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like we we've read the books. We have read the Bible, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, we seeing so many different exploits in the word of God concerning prayer. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it it does not make that connection between our head and our heart, you know, and get to the point to where we truly see it uh, for what it is, you know. And it's one of those things where we can talk all day about how powerful prayer is, you know, what prayer can do. But a lot of times there's a lack of prayer, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and and the thing is, if we really understood what we say we understand about prayer, we will pray more. You know, mm-hmm. there will be mm-hmm. no reason why our uh, prayer closets would be vacant, you know. So let me ask you this before you continue. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you're going to cover this. I don't want to jump too far ahead. So you tell me if I'm getting too far ahead. What is it that you think we don't understand? Do, do you think that we have not had the experience of, of, I guess, sort of the outcome of our prayer and our intercession that, so we have, you know, mm. disregarded it. What, what is yeah. it that you think? Yeah. I, I think at times we can have a certain thing in our mind that we think should happen when we pray or, mm-hmm. you know, a certain outcomes. And I think sometimes we can get discouraged when that does not happen, you know, or, you know, I think our flesh, just fights against it. Like we don't want to pray. Like it's a spiritual discipline that can be hard for us because we're in this flesh and we have to press through, you know, even in mm-hmm. prayer meetings, you know, sometimes if you're, and, and speaking of prayer meetings a lot, man, I think that has been something that has really suffered, you know, in the church where people will come together as a, a, a local assembly and, and pray. But mm-hmm. even in prayer meetings that there is a pressing in and a pressing through that sometimes you know, if you're if you're not uh, fully focused on what's going on and your mind can like wander to where, mm-hmm. t- you know, to where it's like, man, you're not you, you don't feel like you're you're breaking through. And I know it's yes. not all about like feelings, you know, um, because God does hear us when we pray. Mm-hmm. But there is something to be said about, you know, breaking through in prayer and really pressing in and not, and getting past your mind, you know, and yes, and, and really understanding who you're talking to and mm-hmm. and uh that he's able not only to hear you but to answer your prayers and so you know i, I think 
a lot of times we um, may have a certain thing, like I said, in our in our minds where we think, okay, prayer sh- should look like this or be mm-hmm. like this. And we put <laughs> pressure on ourselves to be like this, yes. this person, you know, maybe that we've heard pray, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or we feel like, man, I, I can't pray like that or I don't sound like that. It's not even about that, you know. Right. God is really checking for our hearts. And so, you know, and the question that I felt like he was posing to me you know, all our prayer closets. And, and, and I mean, like when we're at home, when we're by ourselves, mm-hmm. is that place vacant, you know? And, mm. and, you know, and the Lord has always called for his people to pray and to in, intercede all throughout the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament. We see the importance of prayer. And the, and the thing that, that prayer says, uh, it shows, well, it shows intimacy with God, but it, it also says, like, I need God. You know, mm-hmm. and so if, yes. you, if you're prayerless, you know, it's like, well, you're saying that I can do this all by myself. You know, I can do this on my own. And even if mm-hmm. we don't say that, that's the position of our hearts. If we are not prayerful, mm-hmm. you know, and I think sometimes that's hard to uh, uh, take. But that's really what it is. You know, and, yeah. do you think that if we if we um, reconcile that behavior to that sentiment like if Mm -hmm. we if we brought those two things into focus that um, prayerlessness Mm -hmm. is a reflection of what we think about ourselves and also what we think about God do you think that might change um, even the way we approach prayer because you're you're right like I I think sometimes you know Mm -hmm. um, just looking at the church it's been easier to get people to turn out for like their favorite speaker, yeah. you know, or people are like, Oh yeah, I'll come for that or a concert, you know? But if you say we're going to gather to pray, <laughs> um, yeah. people, they almost always have something else that just, ah, I don't know if yeah. I can really, I can't yeah. make it out, you know? And, and I'm, and I'm, I, because I think you're onto something when you say that it is connected to this, um, you know, uh, independence mm-hmm. from God, this mm-hmm. feeling of I'll do it myself. Yeah. And then sometimes even prayer becomes, well, I've done the extent of what I can do. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is any hope mm-hmm. at all and mm-hmm. there's any supernatural work that can be done, because all the natural work I've I've done, I that's it. So if there's any supernatural work that can be done, I suppose we right. ought to turn to God. Right. You know, sometimes we can see that as you know, second place or I've done all I, like you said, I'll, I've done all I can. And now I pray it's, it's come down to this, oh, you know, and I think yeah. it reveals our heart, you know, because mm-hmm. if we really believe that prayer is what we say it is according to mm-hmm. scripture, well, the prayer meetings would be packed out. It would be packed out. If yeah. we really believe yeah. that we, when we come together and as the body of Christ and we pray and intercede about what, cause it's not that, that there's a lack of things to pray about. You know, right. The need is great. It's very great. Whether it be, you know, as we look at this nation, whether it it, it is about our families or, you know, Mm -hmm. all kind of situations are going on. So there's a a great need for prayer. But our heart revealed that we don't really believe that prayer is what it is because we don't pray. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Ian Bound said in in his book, um, there's a chapter called The Weapon of Prayer. He said prayer cannot be retired as a secondary force in this world. To do so is to retire God from moving in our lives. Uh, mm-hmm. It is to make God secondary. The prayer ministry is an all-engaging force. It must be all-engaging to be a force at all. Prayer is the sense of a need for God and the call for God's help to supply that need. How we uh, estimate and place prayer is how we estimate and place God. 
To give oh, prayer wow. a secondary place is to make God secondary in life's affairs. To substitute our our forces for prayer excludes God and materializes the whole uh, movement. And so, man, that that says it. Like I think I, the position of our heart, if mm. we're not praying, it reveals mm-hmm. that uh, that we have a deficit within us. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm reminded, like in the book of Acts, in chapter six. When uh, the the situation arose uh, with with the, uh, the Jewish widows, uh, mm-hmm. that yeah, the, yeah that the uh, Hellenistic Jewish widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food, and so they had mm-hmm. to do something. So the apostles called everybody together and, and and basically appointed men from among them. And the criteria was they had to be of good reputation, full of the mm-hmm. spirit and wisdom. Mm-hmm. But in, in verse. Uh, and they were supposed to, you know, wait the tables and things like that. But in verse four, the apostles, uh, they made a very important statement. It's after assigning these deacons, they said, mm-hmm. but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And it wasn't that, you know, uh, supplying the daily food wasn't necessary and, uh, you know, something that needed to be handled. But, man, they they needed to devote themselves, you know, as the leadership there to prayer and the ministry of the word, you know. Wow. And is that is is important you see it all mm-hmm. through the book of acts in the new testament you see that the prayer meeting was a uh, a frequented spot after persecution yeah. you know yeah <laughs> peter and yeah. john yeah. released you know and then they gathered with the other believers and they pray and yeah. then the place where they were was shaken you know <laughs> man you know peter when he was uh, released from prison in a miraculous the way. Rhoda, yeah, he while they're praying, straight to the prayer to the house. Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> what I'm man. saying? Yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah, man. and so we wow. read we read this, but I think we're kind of detached from man. You know that uh, that is what it really is. You know that mm-hmm. is that and more. You know, not only when we're in persecution, but good times, bad times. We should have an intimacy with God. Oh man, I think that's it. I think that is exactly the nail on the head there. It is that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's that intimacy with God that um, we have ongoing communication with him. And and I'm wondering your thoughts on, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not there's also a disconnect in what it is that Jesus secured for us to be able to have this intimacy with God. Like, do yeah. we make too little of that? Like, this is not something that we had some automatic right to. You know mm. what I mean? It's not like you just... Um, in our natural families, we understand that, you know, at the earliest point that kids can talk and even before they can talk, they make demands of their parents. They have direct (laughs) access. But for us, it was different. Jesus Christ gave himself that he might secure for us this relationship with God that through him now we can make, we can pray. And and Mm -hmm. he actually is the mediator between us and God. Yeah. And I think if we had this, um, this sober thinking as it pertains to prayer, you know, how was it secured for us? What does it ongoingly Mm. secure for us? Right. Um, I think that would change the way that we pray. Um, when we look at what is going on and we talk about all of these issues, we're looking at all the headlines and, Mm -hmm. and we'll get into the thick of it and the the remainder of the show. Mm -hmm. But, all of the things that we are looking at, there's no way that we could navigate these things without prayer. And yet, as you suggest, and I believe rightly so, the prayer closets probably for many of us remain largely empty. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned about Jesus, you know, he modeled for the ones that were following him, the disciples, what prayer mm-hmm. looked like. So much so 
that they act that they asked him to teach them how to pray. Now, yeah, they yeah. saw him, you know, speak parables, do miracles, all this stuff. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's the mm-hmm. thing, you know, uh, Abraham Hamilton, he he often says, you know, when you look at Jesus, when he did these great miracles and different things, he you found him afterwards going to a place by himself to pray. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like basking mm-hmm. in his glory, like I've just done this and I, but he would go away and pray. And I think. Um, we have to understand as the people of God, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mm-hmm. mighty through God to pull down strongholds and the weapon that we have. One of the weapons that we have is prayer, you know, the ability yeah. to intercede and to do uh, business with God. I'm thinking about Moses when Moses was uh, meeting with God. Right. He was meeting mm-hmm. with God, but he was taking a while. So the people, <laughs> they were waiting for him and they thought, like, what happened to this guy, Moses? And they, and they took Aaron and they said, man, make us, make us a God, you know, and mm. they, and they, and they made this, this golden calf and they worshiped this golden calf. And, and God, he told um, Moses, he said, you better get back down there. You, you get down there because the people, <laughs> you know, they're acting a fool, you know, yeah. <laughs> the people. Yeah. Are, and if I'm recalling, didn't he's like your people, right? Like was, did it yeah. what, if, so if, the, in that exchange? This is it, what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once for your people. <laughs> whom you brought up your people whom you brought up oh, from the land goodness. of Egypt have corrupted yeah. themselves and then it says they have quickly turned aside from the way which Man. I commanded them they have made for themselves a, a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said this is your God O Israel who brought you up from the land of Egypt and the Lord said to Moses I have seen this people and behold they are an obstinate people now then let me alone that my mm. anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. So God had determined that's it. I'm done. Wow. I'm done with yeah. them. But yeah. what happened after that was that Moses interceded. He interceded. Mm-hmm. He stood in the gap, he made up the hedge. He stood in the gap in between God's wrath, you know, and what would happen to the, the, the people. And God so relented. Good, he mm-hmm. relented. You know, he changed his mind and the people were spared. But, man, Moses had to stand in that gap. And that's what we do wow. right now for this nation, for our family. And we have to be a people of prayer. Oh, man, that's so good. I mean, because you think about that and, and what you call to mind is that the people deserved whatever God had determined. Yeah. But here is Moses who makes intercession, who stands between them and God. And man, that is such a picture of what is needed in our country today. Amen. All right. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll take a break and we'll come right back with Stephen Black. So make sure you stay right there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Zach Williams with Chain Breaker. 
Um, well, let me just say this. I appreciate you. Um, one of the things, and there are many things that I love about you, um, and let me just also say, if you're listening to the program for the first time, this is my husband that I'm talking about. <laughs> Some people don't know. They just Maybe they're just co-hosts. No, they are married. Um, but one of the things I love about you, to the point that, um, that you were making in the first segment of the show, mm. is that you have been consistent about prayer for as long as I have known you, and it has been a consistent challenge to me um, and I, I really feel like I don't stand on the side actually where you're standing and saying, man, we need to pray more. I know that that has been a consistent cry of your heart and that has been the action of your life to to pray and to intercede. We've had uh, tough times in life and I immediately go into, OK, we got to do this. Let's do this and let's think about this. And 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 your first recourse is we will pray about this. We Amen. will seek the Lord and the Lord will lead. And that has been a challenge because what that reveals, it really shines the light on our natural inclination to operate independently of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty of that, you know, and I, I think, you know, it's difficult when someone shines a light on that and says, hey, we need to return to a dependence on God. And I just wanted to say I'm grateful. I'm grateful to God that he has um, designed you with that type of humility um, that I think we all are supposed to have. Like, it's not a special, like, you know Amen. what I mean? Like, Amen. oh, I'm humble. You all go forth and be prideful and not <laughs> lean on God. I think we're all supposed to be that way. Amen. But I think there are some of us who um, it's it's more difficult to realize that we need to have a posture of prayer and humility. That's exactly what it is. It's humility before God. So Amen. anyway, thank you for that encouragement. It, I really it, do appreciate it. You know, it. I just real quick want to say the Holy Spirit challenged me and convicted me a while back. And he asked me, uh, what if uh, you prayed as much as you complain? Uh, say more, more, you know, more can be accomplished in prayer and intercession uh, to God than complaining to yourself or to other people. And that's something that I am still convicted by. You know, mm -hmm. how much praying do I do as opposed to complaining about situations? And I think we can take that lesson even uh, with ha what's happening in our country. Are we praying mm -hmm. about this stuff? Or we just shaking yes. our heads, you know? Yes. And so. Yes. And, and commenting on it. Yeah. You yeah. know, we, we, relentlessly commenting on it. Are we bringing it before the Lord? Um, that is powerful. That is powerful. Um, let's make a shift here because mm -hmm. um, we have been talking about the In His Image uh, movie that is almost two years in the making and it's finally done yes. uh, from American Family Studios. And I just, man, I got to tell you, and again, I cannot say enough about this documentary. I cannot say enough about the amount of care and research that has gone into this production. And mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean this in like a haughty way, mm -hmm. but I am proud of the work that American Family Studios yes. has done because it strikes the right balance That's of right. love and truth. That love is not void of truth. This film tells the truth. Um, just man, just a, a wide range of experts are featured in this film. Um, and I'm anyway, I can't wait for people to see it. And we've been telling you all week and we'll continue telling you um, that August 1st, this Saturday is an opportunity for a free sort of pre-screening of mm -hmm. this documentary before it is fully released. And I just cannot recommend enough that our listeners go and check it out. You have had questions Um You've wondered, how do we discuss this angle of this debate that's happening in our culture? And let me let me not just happening in our culture. It's made its way into our churches. Yeah. Right. This is the debate that yeah. is happening in our churches and faithful Christians 
are struggling with answers and not just like, okay, what scriptures do I apply to that assertion? But also what do we do? Is there science to back up what we believe? And the answers are yes, yes, and yes. Mm -hmm. And this film in his image blends all of that together so that there is no daylight between what we profess as Christians and even what has long held true in the scientific community, that Mm -hmm. we are not in opposition to science. In fact, we agree with God. We are agreeing with the science that God has revealed to us, right? And so now you see that people in our culture have actually moved away from this. So I want to encourage our listeners to go to in his image dot movie in his image dot movie. You can register for free for an online event this Saturday, August the 1st and um, get a sneak peek at this film. And you will be so glad that you did. I want to talk about this with our guest, Stephen Black, who is the executive director of First Stone Ministries. And then also talk about something interesting that Facebook is doing. We already know that Facebook is acting as sort of like the gateway for information, determining what information gets to be out there and what information doesn't. So (laughs) we'll talk about that as it pertains to human sexuality. And, um, and then also I want to, I want to tie some things in too, because we'll see that Facebook is inconsistent in the way it quote unquote cares for the community. Right. Right. Like (laughs) it, it cares for the community, certain parts of the community it cares for. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Steven, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you, brother. Hey, I feel like I've just been to church a little bit listening to you all. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, you know, you know how it is. Um, listen, um, you th- you are in this film. You are in the, the film, in his image, and you share your testimony, mm-hmm. also sharing hope and encouragement, not just in what the Lord has done in your life, but what he is willing to do in the lives of others who are struggling with their identity and who are struggling with same-sex attraction. I want you to talk a little bit about how important it was to be a part of this documentary. Well, I have to tell you, the AFS uh, crew, their their team, are Mm -hmm. filled with prayer and filled with love and filled with care. Uh, They have their own uh, friends and uh, extended family and people that they know that have struggled with homosexuality and, you know, all of the baggage that can come with that behind Mm -hmm. the scenes, people don't realize, but a lot of sexual Mm -hmm. abuse and pain. And so they're coming at this with with just such godly compassion and filled with bold truth. And Mm -hmm. I had such a wonderful time uh, being with them and then, you know, behind the scenes working on this project and giving my my two cents worth, as you know, that I, I'm pretty bold with my uh, feelings oh, yeah. right. about the Bible and truth and, Amen. and and experience with this. So, you know, Jesus set me free 38 years ago, Amen. and I've seen him work in people's lives uh, over these last three decades in ministry. So um, I'm excited about this this project. Amen. Now, I, I want to ask you, because you are very transparent in, in the documentary uh, with your testimony uh, you didn't shy away from it being the power of God that delivered you, you Amen. know, um, and why why you believe what you believe. Why do you think there is not more talk, even within the church, of the delivering power of God uh, mm. over over all sin? Well, and, and that that is a great Man. question. Now, yes. I will uh, say that um, 
uh, I was fortunate in that I really was part of a an actual outpouring of the Holy Spirit called um, the Fullness Movement in the Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. When I got saved, in, it was in the early 80s that that movement mm-hmm. happened. And, you know, you have people like James Robinson and Dudley Hall and people that left actually the Southern Baptist Church as a result of having the power encounter of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. I, w- I benefited from that. Amen. A lot mm-hmm. of the people that I minister to, unfortunately, are in churches or in places in life where there's a lot of unbelief and doubt and fear. Wow. And uh, a lot of people also have experienced years of trauma and sexual abuse, and, and for some of them it takes a while. And uh, I, I was one of those people that, that did get a, a, an immediate release from sexual addiction because, unfortunately, I was very sexually addicted as a young man. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but I had to also work on stuff at a psychological, emotional, and spiritual uh, unpacking and counseling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in uh, you know, support group ministry and inner healing ministry. So it's, you know, I did have a, an amazing encounter with God and mm-hmm. also an amazing encounter with the Word of God when mm-hmm. the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit spoke to me the very night I got saved and warned me. And I didn't even know what the warning meant until six months later when we had the, you know, the epidemic called GRID back then. It's now, you know, mm-hmm. the AIDS epidemic. And uh, so it, it was. It was, a, it was a mixture of the Word of God being so powerfully impactful and I believed. Hmm. And a lot Amen. of problem that we have today is so much unbelief. And even in the church with the APA God of American Psychological Association bringing the orientation message in mm-hmm. higher learning, and, and this is in our, in our seminaries and now in Bible colleges, and hmm. so people have a lot of unbelief and doubt. Wow, wow. Now, I want to double back to something you said a minute ago, Stephen, because when we turn our focus to the church, and I think this is something that would be maybe a little bit counterintuitive Mm -hmm. for the casual um, listener, like a Christian listening who would say there are people who are struggling with same-sex attraction, meaning that they have unwanted desires, and yet they are in churches where they are maybe surrounded by people who have unbelief, doubt, and fear. And and those are the three words that you use, that there's there are people who are in places that where there's unbelief, where there's doubt, and where there's fear. Help help us as Christians understand what that looks like. And mm-hmm. just to be clear on my question here, I think that right now we find people more comfortable carving out spaces for powerlessness, right? That, mm-hmm. that there's there's no you know, getting set free. So this is always who you are. This is, it's like such are some of you, you know, rather than pressing yeah. in and saying, we believe what the promises are to us in Jesus Christ. H- help us understand what most people are exposed to. Well, we're living in also in a cultural norm that's lower than it ever has been in the biblical orthodox position of human sexuality, and so there is an assault on the very image of God. Thank God for this documentary coming out, because it brings the standard back to the genesis, you know, the beginnings, and that we have never lived with so much information, with the internet, with entertainment, 
with all of these social norms and now in all of our education systems that are public uh, and, and even some of the private institutions are leaning into this this lowered cultural norm and even gay Christianity. And so if somebody, you know, finds themselves feeling, which which is very true of most people we minister to, perceptions and identity conflict, it actually plagues them. It, it goes into their vulnerabilities and make them, makes them feel like that, they, that they're somehow a misfit, same-sex attracted, i.e. dealing with gender insecurities. And so they're leaning more towards what the culture is saying rather than what God is saying. So we're living in a society now where the the voice of God, the voice of His Word, and the voice of real reason concerning human sexuality has been dumbed down and even drowned out. Mm. And so this, this immoral, immoral way of existing sexually is the louder voice. Wow. And unfortunately, beside that, is we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's mm-hmm. there's real darkness around this. Uh, the scripture is very clear. We we wrestle against unseen forces to attack the souls of people at mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. vulnerable. And we're talking now uh, elementary school That's kids. Right. That's right. So this is this is what we're up against. And then unfortunately, some of these people that are in good Bible believing churches. They're struggling secretly with some of the shame and the brokenness of their life, and they don't feel like that they have either, you know, from one extreme to the other, they don't feel a safe place to be able to even talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so you have people, you know, embracing this new movement, you know, the the gay Christian movement, mm-hmm. and an identity in, as uh, in either in thought or desire, um, maybe not in, in deed, you know, they call themselves celibates, but they're taking on an identity, and when they do that, they're actually putting themselves in bondage. Yeah, you touched upon, you know, the the whole gay Christian type movement that's happening even within uh, the church and, and how that's uh, dangerous, you know, because it's being explained the way that, hey, I'm not doing anything, I, I'm just this way, and, and I can be this and be a Christian. But for for there may be some people in in churches that are hearing some of these things um, come out in the teaching and things like that uh, because it's sweeping different denominations. So mm-hmm. as a as a Christian layperson, if if I start hearing some of these terms from leadership, like being advocates for homosexuals and and things like that, what should I do? Like what what should I do as the average Christian sitting in church, maybe mm-hmm. hearing some well, of this stuff? I loved your your uh, beginning of this segment is we need to pray and Amen. pray for these mm-hmm. people Amen. and pray before we speak. But we, we really do need to equip ourselves in the Word of God. And I think it is helpful to understand what a lot of people uh, struggle with uh, in their identity conflicts to get a little bit of education about what are the causalities based on temperaments, personality, and, and really the high levels of sexual abuse or what I call nine high 90 percentage of the people that have uh, the, the sexual distortion that's come through pornography or entertainment mm. that mm-hmm. has made them feel really insecure and dark yeah. and they need to receive ministry and um, and you know I think it's interesting that in the church at large 
we need to we need to know that this was actually prophesied. I I, I think Paul's letter to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter three he he warns us that in the last days there would be perilous times, mm. very mm-hmm. difficult times. Yeah. With so much loving of self and loving of entertainment, you know, full of bitterness and unforgiveness and ungratefulness and disobedient to parents. Hey, that Stephen, actually gives I, way I hate to, to jump in. Of pleasure. I hate to jump in. Let me just stop and grab the break, and we'll pick up right here on the other side. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Stephen Black joins us. We'll be right back. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to where my sin. Welcome back. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Boy, we really do appreciate you listening every day mm-hmm. and uh, spending some time with us as we talk about the issues of the day, unapologetically filtering that discussion through biblical conviction. Amen. I mean, that's that's our straight edge, man. We are trying to get as close to what the Word of God says as we possibly can. And so in everything that we're discussing that's happening in the culture, even that's happening in the church, yeah. we are going to apply the Word of God. And uh, does it pass the Scripture test? Uh, welcome back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham, Living Hope. Our guest today is our brother Stephen Black, who is the executive director of First Stone Ministry. And, and let me just say, this is not their tagline. This is just Miki's tagline, <laughs> because there is still the need for ministry for those who are struggling mm. with same-sex attraction and their their identity, their sexual identity. Um, it's amazing how we think that there's some things that are just of the 90s, of the early 2000s, and now we've moved away that we don't need uh, ministry. We still need ministry, and we need the kind of ministry that's coming from First Stone Ministry. Amen. So, uh, Stephen, I had to jump in. We were going to break, but one of the points that you were making is that what we see happening right now is already prophesied. We knew that this was on the horizon. We knew that this was to come, um, the godlessness that we would see in the last day. So I wanted to let you pick up and kind of um, continue with that thought. Well, yeah, especially when we when we see what Paul was warning Timothy about the last days. Uh, in verse 5 of chapter 3, he says, They have a form of godliness, but they deny mm-hmm. the power. Mm-hmm. And I like the way the Amplified says it. it says they, you know, they have kind of a, a religiousness, but they're letting go of the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace mm-hmm. of God, which is the power of God, to, to, to do transformation in the soul. And the, the Scriptures literally says there in the warning, we're to turn away from people who teach that. Yep. And, uh, and when you look in, in context of what he says, they're leading people away by various lusts, which I think mm-hmm. is very interesting, the word lust there, because it's dealing with appetites and desires, and they're actually propping up under the, the banner of orientation that same-sex attraction Lusts are now legitimate as an orientation rather than saying, no, actually, we need to be working on ways to bring our thoughts captive and to work on the internal world of our thinking. I am so grateful I had a pastor in the early 80s that taught me that uh, in the middle of the fullness movement about spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. and why I had all the thoughts I had with the trauma 
and the perversion I had been involved in and how I needed to actually <laughs> renew my mind. Amen. And today in the churches, they're not teaching that. And it, in verse no. 7, he says, they're, they're always coming to the knowledge of the truth, but they're never able to learn. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is truncating the very gospel of Jesus, and especially the idea of the cross and denying self. They actually mock the idea of denying self. This mm-hmm. is what we're up against. Mm, wow. Now, Stephen, let me ask you something to this point, because we had a discussion on this program maybe a Friday or two ago where I, I played a clip because I, you know, we want to be compassionate and we don't want to put burdens on people that we ourselves are unable to bear. Right. We understand that um, for those of us who are in Christ, we have been set free from sin. The Bible makes this very clear. Um, the Apostle John made this very clear in his letter that we don't we don't have to continue on sinning. Right. That we there is a That's renewal right. that happened. And at the same time, we know that there are temptations that present themselves. Absolutely. Help me and Will the Great and our entire <laughs> listening audience understand that difference when we talk about same-sex attraction. Because our sister Jackie Hill Perry said recently, um, no, I'm still attracted to women. Yes, I'm married and I have two children and I love my husband. I enjoy my husband, but I'm still attracted to women. And and basically it was kind of framed as as if this is my orientation that I'm I am this way. Um am I am I am no, I you're, lacking you're, compa- you're, you're okay, dealing with something that is is a much needed uh, pastoring and real some really much needed help with some of these people out there that have come out of homosexuality. They they want it to be a quick fix, and I am mm-hmm. very quick. And we are here in this ministry to teach people. You may you may actually have to work on many years, and for some people even decades, of getting a, a, a an alignment that is no longer where you're dealing with lust and demonic mm-hmm. oppression and, and attractions. But the goal is that you should be working with sanctification of the Holy Spirit inside your in, in internal world. That's why I, I tell people, you have to have an, in, an eternal internal. If you don't have an eternal internal, in other words, the fear of the Lord, living in Coram Deo and taking your thoughts captive— you're going to be in bondage, whether it's mm. heterosexual, homosexual, or whatever kind of lust or desire. If you don't have the fear of God in, in restoring the neural pathways of your brain and, and taking your thoughts captive, and now you're leaning into this, this what is being called the revoicing, the Come idea on. of a theology that says you can you know, continue in this. That's not what the Scripture teaches. Mm. It teaches the exact opposite. Wow. That's right. That's right. Man, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I'm, look, I am am genuine when I say that I do not want to, uh, you know, impugn somebody's motives. I I, I don't want to say, because, and here's the other thing, and then I know we'll make a shift here. We're going to talk about censorship. The other thing is that I think there are some people who would say, well, if you've not struggled in this area, then you don't have a platform from which to speak on this. And and I think there is an element 
of truth and that I don't understand this particular stronghold. But if that is true, that if I have not, you know, struggled with this or struggled with that, then I can't comment on it. Then we should not receive Paul's letters because there's a lot that he addressed that he himself as a Hebrew among Hebrews did Mm -hmm. not have conflict with. Mm -hmm. I mean, but he was able to address those things and to talk about the newness of life that is ours in Christ. And so I want to, and and that's why I got your take on that. I don't want to say, no, there's no way you can have those feelings, but I don't think there's nothing I read in scripture that supports normalizing rebellion against God Mm -hmm. and celebrating that as almost the best of both worlds where I can both come to Christ. And if I like my sin, I can keep it. That's right. Well, and that's why we do need to be compassionate and Mm -hmm. help people to understand that there is a cross and bearing. uh, And, and this is the other thing you cannot think that you can walk in freedom and continue to walk around with fools. The scripture is very cool, very, very clear on this, that a companion of fools, you'll become a fool. You cannot hang out with a world of sin and think that it's not going to affect you. Now, Mm. support groups and places that are in a trajectory of really following the Lord fully surrendered, yes. But not when there is this segue to gay Christianity and leaving ourselves stuck. Mm-hmm. Nobody's wow. going to find freedom in that in that mess. Wow, wow. Hey, I want to mm-hmm. ask you ask you before we left this uh, topic of in his image. Uh, what do you personally hope uh, the impact of this movie will be for everyone viewing it? You know, as far as cause I, mm-hmm. I heard you mention like educating ourselves and, and things like that. What 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 is your hope for this uh, this movie? I, I really hope that it, it, it gives hope, that it, it mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. puts uh, the the biblical truth of faith in Christ, that there can be uh, lasting freedom and deliverance, and, and that that is a much-needed deposit for the church at large right now. Amen. 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 Uh, Stephen, Amen. I came across a, um, a Facebook post that you shared of a friend of yours um, named Jason Graves. Uh, he talked about his his Facebook page, healing for the soul, life coaching and pastoral counseling being uh, removed, deleted. Uh, what type of ministry was was uh, Jason doing? And would this be under the category that Facebook and other platforms would say is conversion therapy and, and thereby should be uh, banned? Well, that and see, this is what your listeners need to understand is. They're using this ruse term that was uh, brought on about, um, I want to say about seven years ago, with the SPLC and the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Human Rights Campaign Mm. to start this media blitz using the term conversion therapy. And Mm. they, you know, they brought Mm. in the people like the Trevor Project and some of these real powerful gay uh, activists to start a, a a campaign. That anyone now, it's 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 not just therapists. Anyone wow. that would communicate freedom from homosexuality is brokering in a term that they're calling conversion therapy, and now they're calling our ministry a conversion therapy ministry. Mm. And so this is this is a a uh, a campaign of propaganda to silence the message of anyone either giving coaching or helping or counseling or pastoral care, freedom from homosexuality. 
And so Jason, it was and is a, a, a therapist, mm-hmm. but he had already switched into a place that he was just uh, doing what he was calling coaching. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. because of his uh, platform of being in the media and communicating his own testimony of freedom from homosexuality, um, they they took his page down, and they're they're yeah. threatening to take down other people's pages, and I'm not holding my breath that mine right. won't be taken down. Man, and it's, it's something because so, okay. Oh, go ahead, me. Go ahead, Will. No, you go ahead. Okay, it's something because Jason said his page had been up for ten years. He had over a thousand follow uh, followers, and it was deleted with no warning. Uh, they didn't talk to him or anything like that. And it sounds much harsher than what uh, they said that they were going to do. They were proposing uh, to just block positive reviews and testimonials uh, about counselors, organizations that specialize in this field. They totally just deleted uh, his page. I find that to be very troubling. It is very troubling because not only does Facebook do that, Twitter does does that. Mm-hmm. Vimeo did that with the God's Voice Conference and actually deleted five mm-hmm. years of sermons from that church because we had their wow. our conference in their church. Mm-hmm. And they gave no warning. They just sent an email, we're deleting, and they deleted. Wow. So you better have it backed up. So- Yes. And okay. so here is the thing that's confusing about that. So I was reading this article from the Daily Signal Mm -hmm. and um, and the headline of the article is that Facebook says a ban on conversion therapy is basically meant to to strike the right balance on speech and safety. Now, this is a developing policy. It's a global policy that Facebook is trying to implement. And they themselves say that they don't even know how ultimately this is all going to look. They don't know <laughs> what strikes mm. the right balance between safety. But if I could just say, and, and I think this is so important for our listeners to know, that there was a man who actually made threats against our ministry and against mm-hmm. those who are in positions of leadership, those who work here, who are actively involved in this ministry. Mm-hmm. He made death threats against us. Yep. And Facebook said that that was not a violation of their policy. So Hmm. they say they're trying to strike the balance between free speech and safety. But a person talking about, I was once blind and now I see that is hate speech and their pages must be deleted immediately. Yeah. And they, they, you know, they did this to Pure Passion TV, David Call Foster, who had over 600 testimonies of ex-gays. Wow, and and people that have uh, dealt with some form of sexual sin and brokenness, and the teachings on this, and they, you know, Vimeo and others of these big techs, they just they delete the stuff without warning. Wow, wow, you know, with with, with all this censorship happening right now, Christians, uh, conservatives, uh, those frontline doctors that uh, put up yep. videos, oh, that's right, uh, etc. What what do you think has to happen so that there's a fair access for content? Well, I'll tell you, I, I've had promises from people in high places, our senators and our representatives that bear that, that, that big uh, red R behind their name. Mm-hmm. They need to <laughs> be uh, doers rather than just uh, sayers, because mm-hmm. they need to be uh, doing some, some work up there uh, to get some laws passed on this censoring, and especially religious liberties and religious speech. Yeah. Uh, because there's an all-out attack, and now with the Supreme Court 
uh, ruling on June 15th, you know, they throw they they love to make some of these rulings during Pride Month, which is mm-hmm. they literally are making LGBTQ and that plus sign, and people need to pay attention to what that plus sign is mm. because it means mm-hmm. something. Mm. And they're saying these orientations are now equal to race and to mm. sex. Well, as a black mm-hmm. woman, I think that you would be very offended by that. Because it, it it attacks a woman, it attacks mm-hmm. race, it attacks minority groups, and it is horrendous what the Supreme Court did. Let me do this before we want out, run out of time. Give us your website address, Stephen, so that our listeners can connect with you. Real easy. Just remember, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So it's firststone.org, all spelled out. Firststone.org. Always a pleasure to talk with our brother Stephen Black. We are out of time until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.